Hi everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Level Play Podcast, your source for everything related to athlete brand management. My name is Dave Kalin, and I will be your host for today's festivities. So a lot of you, well, at least the casual American sports fans that we are, uh, they're looking at the title of this episode, Super Leagues and Super Brands, and going, oh yeah, the Super League, I remember hearing something about that, but this is America, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, but I assure you, anyone from any other country will be talking about this for quite some time, and it does have implications stretching around the world regarding global brands, not only for leagues and teams, but also for individual athletes. Now, I'm recording this right after the glorious two-day rise and fall of the European Super League, and it put the rest of the sporting world on tilt for quite some time. Not only did millions of fans rise up and speak their minds, uh, celebrities tweeted up a storm, even national governments and prime ministers were speaking out, and competing teams and leagues were proposing actions. So let's take a moment to explain what just happened last week, why it happened, and in the wake of these events, how another sport is dealing with a similar problem. Okay, so for those of you who do pay more attention to baseball and basketball than soccer, here's what's happened. The owners of 12 of the most popular teams in Europe, well, some of the most popular teams, they were all English, Italian, and Spanish teams, no no French or Germans or any other European teams for that matter. Anyways, these 12 teams we're going to pull out of the yearly international competition known as the Champions League and start their own yearly competition. Now, the Champions League is definitely the highest echelon of European soccer and has teams from every league in Europe playing, but you have to earn your way in every year. Think of March Madness. The biggest teams usually make it, but it's really not guaranteed, and you could have a bad year and be out of the competition. Except being out of the competition means big money. And we're talking the tens of millions of of, of euros. In a nutshell, these 12 owners believed that their team brands were so big that they deserve to play every year in this new international tournament, no matter what their records are. Every game would be a big game with big opponents, with bigger broadcasting fees, bigger ad revenue, bigger revenue sharing, and on down the line. And since a soccer team can play in different leagues, yeah, they can play in their normal domestic league and the Champions League at the same time, as well as other competitions like the FA Cup or Copa del Rey or whatever, their brand can expand far beyond just their local and domestic markets. Now, I don't want to say that this is a uniquely European problem. In fact, it's just the opposite. Most of the world does it this way, except the United States and Canada. We have and have always had the closed system that the Super League owners, which are mostly American, by the way, uh, what they wanted 
for their league. Here in the United States and Canada, there is no penalty for sucking. <laughs> no matter how bad the Kansas City Royals are, no matter how bad the Jacksonville Jaguars are, no matter how bad the Sacramento Kings are, and for hockey, the Buffalo Sabres, no matter how bad they are, they'll still be in the league next year and collecting big revenue. Not so for most soccer leagues around the world. If you come in last place, your entire team gets sent down to the minors. And there aren't many minor leagues here in the U.S. Football and basketball, it's just the collegiate level, and you're not going to send a last-place team back to college. <laughs> and the NBA does own their own minor league, but there's no minor league for football, unless you want to give you know, a condescending nod to Canadian football. <laughs> uh, baseball and hockey do have minor leagues, but they are losing out to collegiate play these days. Anyway, so why did the Super League fall apart and fall apart so quickly? Well, there were definitely a lot of fan protests, but to be honest, that wouldn't have affected anything. The, the fans are always the last to be consulted and are usually just pawns in big moves such as this. What I see is that in soccer, players can play on different teams. You know, their national team and domestic teams. And the teams can play in different leagues. The Premier League and Champions League and so on. And that's the main reason why the Super League fell apart. Because some of these other leagues did have some leverage. Not a lot, but some. And the threat of players being banned from other competitions, specifically the World Cup... That was the real linchpin here, in my opinion. Now, of course, I'm oversimplifying everything, but while it failed miserably for a number of reasons, the scenario remains where there are popular teams and unpopular teams. And the big brands have a lot of power that they hold over the rest, regardless of their records. I think some of the 12 teams in the Super League weren't even doing well this year. I mean, heck, that's how the Premier League was formed in the first place as a breakaway league from the English Football League back in the 90s for, for a big TV contract. And right now, the six British teams that wanted to break away make more than the other 14 in the Premier League combined. So it's not over. While some admit the timing was wrong, many are predicting that this is only one battle lost and Something resembling the Super League is inevitable. It's just a matter of time. The fundamentals remain that there is a really big gap between the big and smaller team brands. And the biggest brands are going to want more exposure and share it with the other big brands. Okay, this is all fine and interesting, but what does it have to do with athlete brand management? Well, while this was an issue of big teams wanting a bigger piece of the soccer pie, one of the reasons the Super League folded was an issue of possibly banning players in this breakaway league, and that would have definitely affected the stars of the game and their personal brands and endorsements. So. Let's turn to another sport where there are no teams and 
all the athletes are their own brands, and that sport is golf. The PGA has been having a similar problem growing over the past few years, where the biggest players and the biggest brands have wanted to break off from the regular PGA and have their own super tournaments, where they don't have to qualify, they don't have to worry about missing the cut, they don't have to travel, and they share a bigger piece of the broadcast revenues and prize money, since they don't have to compete with a 100 other golfers every week. Or... They can just make their own broadcast deals, kind of like what they do in boxing. And, you know, this is not without precedent. If you remember, a generation ago, there was the Skins game and Monday Night Golf. Both were on network TV, by the way. And most recently, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson had something simply called The Match, which generated millions of dollars on its own. So... The PGA saw the writing on the wall, especially in the wake of what just happened with the Super League, and they are being proactive about the issue. They set up a separate pot of money for the biggest players with the biggest brands. It's called the Player Impact Program, or PIP. Mm -hmm. Could be a better name. I'm sure it'll get rebranded with a sponsorship deal. But... It is a $40 million bonus pool starting this year that will reward golfers for generating buzz and attention outside of the game. Basically, it rewards golf's most recognizable stars like Tiger Woods, Bryson DeChambeau, Jordan Spieth, even if they are not dominating on the leaderboard or, heck, even if they missed the cut altogether. At the end of the year, the top 10 players who generated the most excitement and exposure for golf will split the $40 million. The top golfer gets $8 million, followed by $6 million for second place, and 3 and a half for third, and so on and so on. And the rankings are determined by an algorithm that measures buzz and exposure in a number of ways, like Google searches and media mentions and TV appearances. Uh, they use Q scores and social media and something called the MVP Index, which, uh, by the way, was founded by Jordan Spieth's father. So I'm sure there's already going to be some conspiracy theories about them manipulating the system. <laughs> now, of course, there are inequities. Jordan Spieth would have made money in this scheme in 2019, despite being ranked 44th in the world. And Phil Mickelson would have made even more money being ranked 70th. And he's probably going to be on the list this year as well. There's already some brushback from fans and even other players who say that endorsements are the reward for doing well and having a social media presence. And I've already seen mean tweets saying that Tiger Woods will make more money for a car crash than playing golf this year. And uh, another one that says uh, Kim Kardashian should pick up a set of clubs and she would probably win this pot. But, you know, that's the internet for you. If I can get on my soapbox for a second, though, it's hard to be neutral on the morality of these moves. Yeah, the optics of the Super League and the PIP, which are blatant money grabs. During a pandemic, when so many people are out of work, it's a bit insensitive. It seems like the fans are the last to be consulted, 
And to be honest, it's taking the joy out of watching sports when all you can think about is the money behind it. But I guess that's just the way modern sports is these days. And just like college football, movies, and, well, most entertainment products, the biggest brands create awareness so the smaller brands can exist. So I guess the lesson is, be sure to keep your personal brand alive because you never know where you are going to land on this list. On that note, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the Level Play Sports Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this discussion of super leagues and super brands and learn something along the way. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe and you'll be notified of future episodes. Also, if you like what you heard, then feel free to leave something in the comments. Of course, don't be a troll. But if you want to discuss anything we've been talking about here or have any ideas for future episodes, then we'd love to hear from you. Okay, well, that's it for now. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Level Play Podcast, where we will discuss athlete brand management in more detail. For the Level Play Podcast, I'm Dave Kalin. Have a good one!